So I was working as a technology consultant in Accenture. It was 2013. I had a degree in physics. And so I started to work as a consultant after my degree in physics. And I was mostly working in the traditional payment uh, environment industry. And, uh, and as a side occupation, I was a, an activist in libertarian circles about uh, internet privacy and about uh, also Austrian economics, you know, gold standard, uh, Ron Paul and the Fed, all that stuff. And during the day, I was just working as a technology consultant. And then 2000, actually it was the end of 2012, uh, Bitcoin started to pop up everywhere in my interest uh, circles. So people that I was discussing with about uh, central banks and gold standard, they started to name Bitcoin because of that. And people, a uh, completely separate set of people that were, that were discussing with me stuff like uh, uh, Wikileaks, privacy, Tor, uh, the dark web uh, and free commerce on the internet started discussing Bitcoin as well. And people in my job uh, discussing payment technologies and cryptography and uh, internet security, they started basically discussing Bitcoin as well. So I, I realized that Bitcoin was covering like 99% of all my interests in my life uh, as well on a unified uh, topic. And so it, it, I started to study it and it lasted for one year. I think a little bit less. In the May of 2013, I quit my job, was like a full-time uh, employee. Uh, and after five years, I quit my job and I started to try to do Bitcoin startups. And I, I did many things since 2013. Uh, some went well. I worked for a wallet that was later acquired by Blockstream and I worked for uh, a tracking company, a blockchain tracking company. Now, I don't think anymore that blockchain tracking make, makes any sense. But back then, I, I, I thought it, it did. But anyway, we, we took away any blockchain thing from the company. It was acquired by another big company. So some of those were actually good. Some other, some other things that I've done were completely, uh, they were complete failures. So I've done several stuff. One of the most uh, famous is probably I started a research center in Milan in 2016. It was called the BHB Blockchain Lab. And it went on for, uh, for uh, more than basically 2016, 2018, almost three, a little bit more than three years. Uh, and it was nice. Uh, we invited most of the Bitcoin developers uh, to stay with us. Uh, we were paying for the travel accommodation and asking them to work on what they wanted in order to build the knowledge base. And it was, there was a little bit of consulting revenue model there. And then when my, my daughter was born uh, two years ago, I closed down the research center and I, and I just, right now I'm just like a, um, a freelance Educator. consultant. I have a few... Sorry? Yeah, more, more of an educator, right? Well, so uh, I hope to be more of an educator. Right now, we say that consultancy cover uh, a minority of my time, but a majority of my income, while a pure education is still a minority of my income, which I, I would like to change, but it's not easy. So we start to, I mean, I want to start to do retail courses, but, uh, but I'm, I'm too lazy to organize it. So... I will eventually start in the next month or to do more. And I hope to become mostly an educator. Also in my spare time, I support 
and uh, coordinate works for open source uh, project, non-profit open source project like uh, uh, the RGB protocol, the magical Bitcoin library, the open test protocol, the uh, the other kind of, uh, I have an association, non-profit association, it's called the LMPPP to develop uh, generic standards for, uh, for Bitcoin and Lightning. Yeah, that's great. I think you do quite a fascinating job educating people and like me. So thanks for that. And do you think it is hard to like hard to make money when you are Bitcoin only? Uh, yes, it is because uh, mostly because there is not yet a, a very consolidated revenue model on Bitcoin. I think that what you can do as a business on Bitcoin is basically either uh, an exchange, so you can exchange, you can do finance basically, so you can do um, uh, build the marketplace and ask for a fee for the marketplace or uh, do extra account, which is also what exchanges do with fiat and ask a fee for that. And you can also do a, uh, make a custodian, you can maybe loan and do leverage. So you can do finance, which is something exchanges do. But that's pretty much, I mean, that's not, I mean, I respect the job is fundamental, but I don't really like uh, that kind of job. I would, it's mostly you have to, to deal with lawyers most of the time, with traders most of the time. And even there, you can stay Bitcoin only but you just give up a, a little bit of gambling on, on shitcoin. So for example, Square, there are a few exchanges that are Bitcoin only. Uh, the most important is Square with the cash app, but most of the exchanges, even the likes, the, the ones that I like, like I like Bitfinex, they sponsor a lot of good research, but all these, I have a lot of friends at Kraken, but all these exchanges are, are basically also shitcoin casino. So if you don't do, uh, if you don't do it, change you do basically hardware so you can sell hardware wallet but then again there is not there's not much an advantage to do bitcoin only because it's easy to use the same key for different shitcoins so for example ledger and trezor are, are shitcoin uh, enabled uh, there is cold card which is bitcoin only and i think that uh, that swift is also bitcoin only so that, that there are some bitcoin only company there and if you don't do exchange and if you don't do hardware what is left is consulting and as a consultant, of course, I do, uh, I'm Bitcoin only, but you have to leave out all the uh, juicy, juicy uh, ICO, uh, ICO lunch uh, consultancy advising jobs, which right now, I mean, right now there is not much money in the ICO uh, staff, people, but, but there is this a, a very similar bubble with the DeFi uh, buzzword. So you have to give up those jobs because you're not, uh, you're not actually pushing that narrative. Uh, but I, I think it's it's okay because you give up some money, but you build a more durable credibility over time. So it's it's better if you are an ICO advisor. Uh, maybe you you make a few millions, but then uh, it's very difficult to build a credible uh, reputation after the ICO bubble is over. Yeah, for sure, exactly. Okay, so at what point you realize that Bitcoin is the only thing that matters, and like shitcoin doesn't matter? Uh, I think it was. Was later uh, after I left my company and started to to try startups in 2013. I was very excited about Bitcoin, but I was basically what I would now define a shitcoiner. I was uh, I was so my 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 uh, skepticism was like a pendulum. At the beginning, when I started to see Bitcoin, I couldn't believe it was possible. So I was very very skeptical. My level of skepticism was very high. And I was uh, negatively biased, like this cannot work. 
then I fight it against Bitcoin for one year, since 2012 to 2013. And when I gave up, I gave up my skepticism entirely. So since I was wrong for, for almost one year about Bitcoin being impossible, and Bitcoin is possible, so now probably I was wrong about everything. And now everything is possible. And so it was really zero skepticism, zero adversarial thinking. Everything, uh, everybody was coming up with a new uh, claim, like I invented a new Bitcoin, which is, but then I was just believing every claim uh, at face value without much skepticism. But then after one year in the, in the field trying to do startups, I, I remember uh, a conference where I was super excited about, about Ripple. It was like, okay, this is, like Bitcoin, but even better because you don't have the blockchain or the problem with miners. And I uh, was excited about uh, NXT and, uh, and Peercoin and Primecoin and a lot of stuff. And then I started to realize that uh, basically the single projects, they didn't make sense individually. Uh, it was mostly when I started to work for Green Wallet that Lawrence Naum, uh, that, that was the creator of Green, he actually uh, and me looking at the code, I was not the developer, I am not the developer. So he said, don't just look at the narrative, look at this repository, look at this code, you see that they are just copying Bitcoin, changing few parameters, they cannot even get the change right. They are, they, these are people that have a lot of fantasy, a lot of passion, a lot of, uh, a lot of imagination, but they don't know what they are doing. And then basically I realized that, uh, I, I thought that there was just a, a specific problem like and also he told me look at ripple the same thing that you're doing with ripple basically is a, is a federation and a fixed federation is something that we could do already in the 90s and, and, and we didn't because it didn't work so it got me reading a lot of prior history about all the attempts to arrive to bitcoin with federation and chum server bram server not the stuff so i realized that uh, the things that i was following were were bogus so ripple uh, nxt etc and also uh, there was the argument against prime coin that that proof of work should not be reusable for something else otherwise that's a surface attack an attack surface so i was convinced that the specific shitcoins project they were they were mostly useless but uh, I, I thought it was just a matter of specifics. But then I started questioning the economics of that, not just the technology. So the, the point about scarcity, the point about predictable supply, the fact that Bitcoin has a predictable supply and that's fundamental for the, for, for the, the way Bitcoin works and can work. The, the, the fact that you have to establish a store of value before you have a medium of exchange and the fact that the predictable supply is a huge help for store of value. And then I realized that basically uh, you, you can have scarce, limited, predictable supply for Bitcoin, but you cannot have that for crypto or for, for, uh, for, for uh, cryptocurrencies in general. Yeah, basically cryptocurrencies are in, indefinite in supply. Only Bitcoin is, is definite in supply. Uh, of course, if you take just one altcoin, that will be finite. But it doesn't make sense to take the set of one altcoin. There is, not, there is no objective reason to say that you are considered the asset class of Bitcoin plus shitcoin number three. Uh, actually, you have to take, I mean, some very famous shitcoin that, shitcoins that don't even have a cap, a predictable supply, like in Ethereum, they change the supply as they want. But even if every each altcoin had a deterministic supply, if you take the, the asset class of cryptocurrencies altogether, the supply of that is completely underdefined. So monetary network effects that tend to converge over one money plus the notion of scarcity, 
which cannot exist if you have infinite potential of coins, make me realize that it's not just a matter of, uh, uh, of technical realization of, of these shit coins. It's a matter of economic theory itself. It, it doesn't make sense to have uh, multiple form of digital gold. And indeed, we don't. We just have these, uh, these uh, pump and dump schemes over mostly followed by traders, but people are, are not in any meaningful context exchanging anything as a Bitcoin and fiat. Yeah, that is true. So there are a lot of people who who are in the industry from a long time, who are in this space from the long time, still they support shitcoins. So do you think they don't get it or do you think they are intentionally doing it because they are incentivized to do that? Uh, it depends on how smart they are. They, they are. For, for some of them, I think they, they, they just don't get it. Uh, so I, I don't have a generic uh, general answer. Some of them don't get it. Some of them get it, but they have all the interest not to get it because, uh, because uh, as you said, maybe their business is, uh, is a shitcoin exchange or their business has been... Uh, so some of them don't get it because they, their current economical interest is to, pro to keep pumping uh, this kind of... Uh, uh, what, what Pierre Richard called this Cambrian explosion. So the explosion of this uh, is like the Cambrian explosion of life. This is this Cambrian explosion. So uh, some people make money out of that. Some people made money out of that. So even if they don't anymore, uh, they cannot really face the consequences of saying I was wrong. I mean, I, I told you I was wrong. Uh, my advantage that when I was wrong in 2013, I was trying to do startups, but I was not consulting. So I didn't say anything wrong to my clients. So probably that's why I have no problem saying you I was wrong in 2013 about this. So some of them cannot accept this and they have too many vested interests. And I think it's a mix of, of the two. I don't think there is, uh, there is uh, anybody who is absolutely knowledgeable about this and absolutely honest, which will support uh, shitcoins. But there may be some ex exceptions like, uh, I mean, I, I know that uh, sometimes I discuss with, uh, with uh, Ricardo Spani of uh, Monero or like uh, Eric Vosquil has some definition, he defines Bitcoin as any possible altcoins, which is based on Bitcoin for him, that's just Bitcoin. So there are people that have some philosophical uh, definitions that I may consider hon intellectually honest, but they're just, I think even if they are honest, fundamentally they are but they are ultimately confusing for people. I think that from an educational point of view, we are, if we have to make a mistake, it's, we are better off making a mistake of uh, stricter spam filters than, than loser ones. It's like, you know, when you receive an email from a Nigerian prince and Nigerian prince wants to give you money, so you have to give your bank account details. So maybe there is a real, uh, I mean, a lot of Nigerian people, they are honest people. And some of them, some of them are princes because you have, you have some clans with the king and the prince. So the, there exist honest Nigerian princes. But you know that the, the level of, uh, of, uh, of noise in the, in, the, in the email environment is so high that when you receive an email from a Nigerian prince, you are better off assuming it's just a fraud. Uh, I'm sorry if some honest Nigerian prince is, is just cut into this, but I think it's a, a absolutely uh, efficient uh, spam filter and, and, and scam heuristic to consider them scam prima facie. Then they have to prove it there, no. But that's a good first heuristic. And I think for people, I think they're absolutely better off with this oversimplification that everything is scam 
than with the oversimplification that everything is legit until proven otherwise. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so what is your definition of maximalism and how it changed over, let's say, last two, three years? So uh, at the beginning, maximalism was just about what we discussed right now. So uh, Vitalik was uh, Vitalik Buterin, the creator of uh, of uh, Ethereum, and before of that, of another quantum scam. He was the one creating the word maximalism to uh, mock people that were actually convinced of the things that I just told you. So for me, another another like I mean, which I, I think basically it's the set of people who actually get Bitcoin and and they are honest about it. But uh, later on, uh, there was uh, the, the definition of maximalists started to assume other characteristic. For example, uh, there was the characteristic that maximalists were ag- not just against alternatives to bitcoins, but also against the changes, to, uh, fundamental changes to bitcoin. So the uh, you know the big block uh, fight and then two x uh, attack and all this stuff. So the, the changes in the Bitcoin fundamental level, of course, there have been changes in Bitcoin that maximalists actually supported, like uh, like Segwit and, and, and uh, check check uh, lock time verify, check sequence verify, a lot of changes in the Bitcoin level, and also a lot of changes in the Bitcoin ecosystem, like all the ecosystem developing a, a around Lightning, it changes all the time. So they are not ex- against changes, but they were again, we were and we are against fundamental, uh, less than super motivated changes. We are like skeptical of changes prima facie. You really have to convince me that the Bitcoin should change at at a fundamental level because change itself is an attack vector. So we should be super, super conservative, super slow, super aware. So this second position started to be somehow mixed with the maximalist meme. And then there was a third position that was basically the, the, the difference uh, in opinion between people that were uh, underlying and, and uh, empathizing the medium of exchange aspect of money and people who were actually empathizing the store of value. And th- these were connected with the changes stuff, but not because big blocker, they tended to, uh, big blockers tended to empathize the medium of exchange narrative. But anyway, the, it's a separate thing. And then there was a general attitude claim like maximalists, they are not nice, they are just rude, they, they, don't, uh, they don't treat me with respect. Yeah, this was basically a behavior, uh, a group behavioral claim. So uh, three years ago uh, in Riga, I gave a presentation that was called uh, um, uh, Bitcoin maximalism dissected, and uh, I decided to actually to put all these things in one presentation. It was mostly ironic, not not ironic in the sense it was sarcastic, but not in the sense that what I said was not true as a good heuristic, but it was not literally true, of course, in any possible. I I, I exaggerated the I exaggerated I intentionally exaggerated the generalization of the claims, and I showed some. Uh, some, I, I, it wasn't done to be a funny presentation among Bitcoiners, and then that has a lot that had a lot of uh, uh, that generated a lot of noise. So basically, then the next year, I, I did another presentation that was called uh, "Shitcoin Apologism uh, Still Mend," in which I actually defended shitcoins uh, as a good thing. Uh, you can you can check it on YouTube, I think. And, yeah, I was there. Uh, also, this presentation also. 
Uh, you, yeah, you heard that right. So this presentation was sarcastic as well. As well. I was not 100% literally serious. But that but was true. What they said was mostly everything I, I, there was true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The same as the first uh, as the first presentation. Uh, in both presentations, I tried to be sarcastic. I exaggerated the tones and I exaggerated the, the like the, the, the overtone. But the, the content was actually something that I really believe uh, you could argue about. Yeah. Okay, so do you think uh, Bitcoin maximalism is important? I think it is, especially uh, in a phase in which the, the, the ratio of noise versus uh, signal is so high like it was. I think it was extremely important around 2017 where, where literally people were sucked into the ICO scam. Uh, it's not that this is over, like right now there is not ICO, but there is the DeFi and people are wasting time and reputation and that but they're probably wasting a little less money I mean I can imagine somebody literally uh, throwing away their life saving in 2017 because of ICOs I cannot easily imagine a lot of people throwing away life saving on on DeFi right now so there there is there is a waste of reputation and time and money of good people uh, so it's important to avoid that waste but it's, but it's not that important also if we talk about the, the second aspect of maximalism that I was discussing, that is changes in Bitcoin, uh, it was very important to be maximalist when there was a 2x attack. Because, I mean, in that case, 80% of the hash rate uh, following the, the, the ASIC producer monopolist Bitmain was actually attacking Bitcoin and all the main American corporation, including like the main uh, news outlet that was Coindesk and the main, uh, some of the main exchanges like Coinbase and BitPay, they were all attacking Bitcoin in a coordinated way. Some of the uh, all-time developers like uh, Mike Hearn and Gavin Andreessen, there was an incredibly powerful attack at Jeff Gartic and it failed and it failed badly. Like the, 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 the the client they were pushing, it was broken. He, he, he actually broke uh, when the, the, the right block arrived because it was uh, written with, with, uh, with uh, bugs, uh, one-off bugs basically. And, um, and uh, the reputation of the people promoting that was destroyed. Kevin Andreessen was, uh, was involved in the Craig Wright fraud. And uh, Roger Ver was also involved in the Craig Wright Right, uh, fraud and uh, Andreessen was basically uh, reputation of Andreessen was rightly destroyed by that. And Mike Hearn, he just uh, he went to do uh, R three seven uh, banking blockchain stuff, private blockchain stuff, and he and he said that Bitcoin experiment was over. And uh, and, and I mean Gian and Bitmain, it's almost uh, Gian is risking jail right now, and uh, Bitmain IPO was. Uh, was a failure and the company is not a monopolist anymore. So I'm not saying that we don't risk anything like that again. The more peace we have, the more we will actually accumulate risk for a new attack. But right now, I think that the toxicity level is not as important as it was, uh, as it was a, a couple of years ago. Also, there is a characteristic, this is a criticism that I received that I'm, I think may have some, some level of truth that you know, it's like an immune system. If you have an infection, the immune system will attack the infection. 
if you don't have an infection for too much time, the immune system can create a, a self-immune diseases because you, you start to protect yourself basically. So uh, this kind of attitude is still important. I will not advocate for a for a hippie, uh, pacifist, uh, uh, open-minded, zero critical sense, zero adversarial thinking, naive uh, attitude. I think that adversarial thinking and, and critical critical mindset are still important. And I think that there is still too much noise. We, we should cut the bullshit and we should st stay focused on what matters. So it's still the right attitude, but it's, I, can, I can start to understand that there may also be a, a pause right now. It's like uh, people that, uh, that uh, people which first first uh, uh, point is actually to bash shit coins even before they they they, they work on Bitcoin as a first and and unique goal. So I understand this criticism and I think it may be fair. So we have to keep the level of toxicity high enough because otherwise there will be new attacks. And the more time passes uh, between attacks, the more people will forget why that kind of defensive uh, uh, attitude was necessary. But then eventually Bitcoin will, uh, will ossify, the, the, the social attacks will become harder and harder. And so probably uh, toxicity will just remain. Uh, a, a, I mean, the defensive status quo will just become a, a fact, not really, a, not really a wish. So. Uh, I see this kind of attitude becoming not wrong, but less and less useful over time. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so do you do you consider Bitcoin a revolutionary moment? Not not just money, but beyond that. And if so, do you think how how it will play out? I I think we we can say it's just money, but I think that the I mean Bitcoin as a goal is just better money, but Money is such an important thing. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin is just, let's call it just digital cash or digital gold. But anyway, gold was cash for most of human history. So call it digital gold because cash can be inflated. So just to be, uh, to, to be clear. So Bitcoin is digital cash and digital gold. Uh, the point is that this, the money itself is such an important concept in the history of man, of mankind evolution. It's, com it's absolutely connected with, uh, with the freedom and, and privacy and censorship and, and uh, investment and saving and innovation and technology. And, uh, and when you touch money, when you corrupt money, you corrupt time preference of entire civilization. You corrupt, uh, you corrupt basically... Uh, the, the, the incentives to, to invest, to save, to consume, and you create uh, aberrations like uh, consumerism and uh, Keynesianism in general, and you create unstable bubbles, and, and that creates misery and misallocation of resources and wastes. Uh, and also, uh, like, traceability of payment creates financial exclusion, and that creates uh, and, and increases poverty and, and privilege, and, and also you create... Uh, risk of uh, police police uh, state and uh, and surveillance and surveillance is itself connected with abuses and so it's it's a lot of stuff connected together and uh, money is at the center of it money is one it's not the most important thing in human history but it's i think it's quite one of the most important things in, in human history along with language and uh, and mathematics and and stuff like that. So it's so 
it, it is so paramount in the history of human mankind of, of mankind that uh, it cannot I mean, it's just money, but money is not just money. Money itself is the center of something great. And of course, the digital version of, of money, of the centralized money, which is Bitcoin, also is connected with a lot of stuff like uh, open source development. Uh, so you have to learn what it is. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of discussion about uh, game theory and about uh, uh, network effects and about uh, protocols, infrastructures, and the, 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 the open source model. Uh, free software model, and then there is the the infosec part. So the, how to hide your private keys, how to keep your privacy safe, how to, uh, to how to generate secrets, and and you and when you actually study Bitcoin, you learn a lot of stuff. People that learn what what it is, Shannon entropy, because now they have to generate entropy for the key, and they don't know what entropy is, and now they know it. And when they study it in physics, maybe that they have a better, I mean, it's a different concept, the thermodynamical one. It, it's, it's not exactly the same concept, but they are the same thing. So there is a lot of, so it's like if you, if you, if you imagine a mental a mind map of concepts, and if you, if you pick a random topic, like if you keep just uh, the topic of uh, cryptography, you stay in a place. If you, if you keep, uh, if, you, if you start from open source, you, you, are, you are at an edge of the mind map. If you start from uh, info security, you are in another age, uh, edge. If you start from monetary theory, uh, Austrian economics of the cycle, you are at another. Uh, if you start from, uh, and so on and so on. But if you start at Bitcoin, you are really at the center of, uh, of uh, a great part of, of, the, of the mind. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, that's true. So you, you are personally, active in this uh, Bitcoin space for from last seven, eight years. So how Bitcoin changed you personally? Well, I, I, I learned more and, uh, and so I, it changed it for me because now it's way clearer than it was in 2012 what Bitcoin, or 2013 what Bitcoin is. So I, I can see it clearer. Uh, it is still not boring. I mean, many, many things that I faced during the years, I, I usually, I mean, when I was uh, when I was a little boy, I wanted to be uh, an, uh, an inventor. And then I was, uh, I was bored, so I wanted to be a singer. Then I was bored, so I wanted to be whatever. So I, 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 I did classical studies because I wanted to be an archaeologist. But then I got passionate about physics, but then about economics and politics. And I would keep changing. While Bitcoin is, I think, is the longest standing passion that doesn't become boring because it is all those things together. So it, it cannot become boring. So it's, uh, I understand it better. It's still not boring. It is more mainstream, of course. Uh, in 2013, people was looking at me like crazy, weird to talk about Bitcoin. Now I talk about Bitcoin regularly with uh, Swiss bankers. So uh, the, it's, it's normal to talk about Bitcoin. I remember that when I created my, my consultancy and research company in 2015, 16, I don't remember exactly, uh, probably was 15. Uh, yeah, it was 2015, and uh, I proposed the name Bitcoin Lab, and then the, uh, the, the, the like the tax lawyer that was incorporating said, "Oh, Bitcoin Lab is is a is a very uh, dangerous name because a politician will will think about money laundering, so you will have more control. So don't use Bitcoin Lab." And so I said, "Well, okay, let's do Blockchain Lab." And the beginning, they said, "Don't do even Blockchain Lab because even Blockchain in 2015 was." still kind of controversial so the, uh, we started calling the company fintech lab 
and because fintech was just like it, completely and then after one year i changed the name back to blockchain lab because now i could use that and eventually i, I never changed it back to bitcoin lab because it because i closed it down but uh, but yeah it was uh, it was a bad word back then uh, bitcoin the, the b word now we can we can use it more yeah yeah i think bitcoin is the rabbit hole that they don't have any end so we keep on falling this if falling down the rabbit hole but there is no ending to it right true 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 and the other thing that i noticed that the industry i mean my clients they 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 went through the same level of skepticism pendulum that i told you about myself so in i remember in 2016 i was going to my clients and i had to convince them about bitcoin and they were skeptical they were conservative and was like okay i mean you're right to be skeptical but please consider these i mean uh, your skepticism may be too, uh, too strong because there is this and you cannot look away from this so I, my role was to push then in 2000 in late 2016 2017 uh, the same guys that were super skeptical about bitcoin they were now okay okay give me bitcoin but also give me any kind of random ico by my second degree cousin I mean they were literally believing everything so they were like respectable businessmen they were completely turned from uh, from uber skeptical of anything new to uh, completely naive and killable uh, against every kind of crazy statement so my role uh, turned into actually be what uh, I had to stop them I had to slow them down like wait think about what you're doing think about what you are integrating what you are accepting what you are exposing yourself to so from either a financial point of view and the information security point of view I had to slow them down so this was another very fun change in, in yeah part. for sure I think they are uh, they attract towards the all these things because of money but once they come in and they realize everything they become become bitcoiner and eventually bitcoin maximalist and i think that is the end for every person right yeah i mean yeah even if uh, maybe if your cognitive dissonance is too much to accept all the collateral truth that bitcoin will bring together uh, i i i can i imagine that's very possible but even in that case you will probably keep your dissonance uh, using bitcoin while publicly despising bitcoins like uh, everybody hate uh, i mean most of the people right now hates the, the concept of freedom free markets capitalism and and they all want uh, more nationalist or socialist states but then everybody loves their own freedom it's like i mean nobody should ever avoid taxes uh, but why you avoid taxes with your, I don't know, your, uh, your, uh, the teacher for, for your son? Oh, but, but this is not real tax avoidance. This is just a small thing. It's other, the real problem is it's the other pe- pe- people. So you have like the Ferguson guy, the, the epidemiologist in UK, he was uh, suggesting the government to yeah, home incarcerate all the United Kingdom. But then he was escaping to, uh, to meet with uh, his, uh, uh, his lovers. Uh, like, uh, bec- bec- I mean, everybody's, hypocritical you you love freedom for yourself and even when you say that you don't love it for uh, for everybody else so people may think that they want inflation but they don't want inflation uh, uh, corroded their own assets and they may want traceability 
but they don't want to be traced themselves and spied upon themselves. So uh, most of the, most people will become will will fall in the in the rabbit hole, and they will learn a lot of other stuff about uh, monetary history, economics, and or even philosophy and politics. And they will they will get changed by Bitcoin. But some other people they will not get changed. But I think they will still use Bitcoin. A good example is from just from the last days, like the Venezuelan government which is a government that was basically known or known the world for hyperinflation, destroying the, the currency and then even creating a shit coin and, and then like uh, uh, trying to stop capital from, from, uh, from flight uh, across the border. They started accepting Bitcoin with BTC Pay server for, uh, for some services for passports. That's a very funny, yeah, that's a very funny news because even something that is in theory, the ideological enemy of Bitcoin. I mean, a super inflationary state with super strict uh, capital flight control. I mean, this is exactly the, the, the natural enemy of Bitcoin. They, but they, they started to seize miners from people and they started to, to, to run on people that take uh, the miners and start mining themselves. And then now they started even accepting it for services. So it's, it's, it's the great thing is for Bitcoin is that even if you are a public enemy of Bitcoin, you still want to use Bitcoin because the game theory is such that you don't want to be, you, you want to use hard money and not soft money. So you can be a fiat champion, but you still want Bitcoin for you and not fiat. And you may be a, a Orwellian censorship and a traceability champion, but you still want to be yourself, to, uh, even a dictator, a dictator of a rogue state. They want to control their people because they are dictators, but they, they don't want to be controlled by the United States, for example, or the United Nations. They want to be able to, if there is a dictator and is going to face a revolution, he will want to be able to bring their asset around without it being frozen, uh, like it happened to some dictators. So even if you are an enemy of freedom, you, you are at least a friend of your own freedom. And so Bitcoin is still maybe publicly despised, but privately used, if you understand what you have from yeah. do, do you think from this news, uh, a lot of sanctioned countries will try to accept Bitcoin? Maybe it's not a, like a domino. A really a dominant effect. Uh, I think that uh, this kind of uh, this kind of acceptance, like for passport services, it's more organic. Uh, it's not. I mean, if you are another nation and you see Venezuela doing this, it's not like, oh my God, I have to do that immediately. It's a legitimization, so it's not so strange anymore. So maybe you will do it, but it's not something that you have to run to do. I think that the dominant effect will will actually more more will happen more on the monetary part. So if you see a central bank, uh, which is uh, publicly disclosing the fact that they are using Bitcoin as a reserve, that's more like, uh, it's another paradox, right? Because central banks, they, they, they are the enemy of Bitcoin, that they're, they're, their objective is actually to uh, inflate the, 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 the money, to debase the money. But uh, if they start using Bitcoin, then other states, they have to run to do the same, because, uh, because in that case, it's a, is a run is like is a is a race. Uh, so uh, this Venezuela news, I don't think it will be very competitive. So other other countries will do the same eventually, but it will be a slow organic process, not a race. While mining will be a race, 
So if Venezuela starts mining and China starts mining, other states will start mining and uh, and uh, hodling in reserve will be a race. Yeah. Do you think it is a threat to Bitcoin if they start mining and accumulating Bitcoin? I think accumulating, no, not really. If they accumulate Bitcoin, they just create more demand, the price goes up and of course then they can sell it to price the price, but it's, yeah, but they need to sell and you cannot do that forever. And the more you do that, the more you create, uh, basically you reduce volatility uh, eventually. So there is not a magic, there is not a silver bullet to do economical manipulation. Even with the gold, uh, even if central banks accumulated gold, they cannot single-handedly manipulate gold as they please. It's true that the gold market is manipulated, but it's not like they can inflate gold just like dollars. It's, it's not that way. So uh, centralization is a problem. So if uh, if people start to use Bitcoin uh, in central institutions like central banks or commercial banks, that's a problem. But if central banks and commercial banks and investment banks start to accumulate Bitcoin, I don't see that as a problem. It's, it may be a short-term instability, but it's not a problem generally. That's a, that's a good mechanism. That's a good theory. Mining is different because uh, with mining, if they if they if they mine in order to accumulate, so it's a, if it's an investment in order to get money, then it's good because they just add to the ashen power, and the more conflicting nations, the better. But if they they mine with consuming external resources with the purpose of destroying attacking Bitcoin specifically, that's bad. So they they will basically they, instead of making money from mining, they will spend money. They give up their reward. They give up the fees and they spend money to censor transactions. So that could be bad. The good thing is that, uh, like Eric Boskulis and other people explain, there is a, there is a game theory model to, to face that Bitcoin. It's not that if you have, if you have 60% of, of Asian power in the hands of the Chinese government, which is a burning, uh, is, is printing and burning money, destroying wealth in order to mine at loss, to censor transa- transaction and mine empty blocks. If that happens, uh, there is a, a simple way to counteract that. You just have to increase your fees, and uh, and if you increase your fees and your waiting times, basically what you have is that uh, you are the, the black market, the, the free market is counteracting the government. So it's a race. Government can sustain that because they have uh, taxation and, and inflation and money printing privilege, and the free market will have to sustain that because. They are. They want to be free, so they, 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 there is a value in censorship resistance. So uh, people who want that will pay for that, and there will be a balance, I think. And it's not really a mortal threat. Uh, of course, I would prefer if if most of the mining was not done by by nation states. Of course, uh, the the very the, the most dangerous thing that I think is not really mining in the sense of connecting the Isaacs and hashing, but is ASIC, ASICs production. That's more sensitive. If uh, ASIC production become centralized in the end of the states, that's a big problem because in that case they can create uh, like a kill switch, like Bitmain did. Bitmain shipped equipment with a end blade kill switch, remote kill switch. So it's it's very dangerous if you if you can have that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so how how you see Bitcoin future? So do you consider Bitcoin a zero sum game for like? Do you, do you think uh, for Bitcoin to win, everything else will fail, like gold or fiat currency? Or do you think uh, it is a positive sum game that means everything will go along with Bitcoin? 
uh, I think it's overall a positive sum gain because Bitcoin will enable a more efficient saving mechanism for more people and a more efficient exchange mechanism for more people. So if you have more people saving than now, that now can't save uh, because they are, they are, they, their savings are confiscated either directly or indirectly through, uh, through, through, through inflation. And if people can exchange, and now they can because they can use the internet to talk with each other but not to exchange value, then you create more wealth. So uh, when people save, and if if you if you if you if you take if you get a fish every day from the river, or if you uh, save some fish in order to take some days off to build a fishing a fishing road, you it's not zero game. After you invested, you actually have more wealth. And the same thing if you exchange. If if I, if you're very good at fish and I'm very good at uh, at I don't know. Uh, uh, cows and I give you steak for fish, we are both better off from the, from the marginal utility uh, function point of view. Uh, so mm, the point is that it would be a positive, uh, positive sum game. People will save more and exchange more. Uh, that said, uh, I cannot see, it's very difficult to see a, a, a scenario in which the success of Bitcoin will not destroy uh, or severely damage some of the most uh, the most uh, direct competitors like fiat money because the point is that fiat money only resists because uh, because of two reasons the first is legal tender laws so people is forbidden from refusing to accept uh, fiat and the second is uh, well the, the second part of legal tender is people will have to pay taxes in, in that in that uh, money and the third is so you create demand and the third is there is a monopoly. Everybody else will, will try to compete with that over your territory will be basically shut down, like uh, eGold or eCash. They will get shut down or Liberty Reserve. So there is a monopoly. If Bitcoin succeed, it will undermine the monopoly. It will also undermine the taxation because then it's very difficult to understand when you exchange, it's very private. You, you can basically avoid some kinds of taxation, at least uh, over commerce and over uh, over uh, over personal uh, gain, let's say, um, and then uh, there will still remain the the legal tender. But uh, I mean, it's easier to not being forced to accept something if you are moving most of the economy maybe on the dark web or something like that, or the centralized exchange system or something like that. So if Bitcoin succeeds long term, it will be positive sum overall but it will probably damage fiat severely. I'm not so sure about gold. I think that some of the market cap of gold will move into Bitcoin. Uh, that would make sense and I think that will happen. But gold is, in a, 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 unlike shitcoins, gold is a, an edge uh, on, uh, on Bitcoin failure. Uh, if Bitcoin fails, shitcoin fail as well. But if Bitcoin fails, gold may still not fail in some scenarios. Uh, they are basically apocalyptic scenarios. So they are scenarios in which technology itself is basically destroyed. But they are not entirely impossible. So I can see physical gold, not, not paper gold really, but physical gold as a, as a hedge against uh, Bitcoin failures, some Bitcoin failure more. Yeah. And when you consider Bitcoin a win, well, it's, it's not a final. Uh, it's not a final gate to cross. 
uh, I think it's a process. Uh, I think it uh, it already won a lot of things, and it's it's, it's a process. It's not really. Uh, I can I, I could imagine an arbitrary scenario, but it's not that before that Bitcoin has failed. Uh, it, it's it's really a process. I think that the, uh, I'm already quite satisfied. But, but, I mean, for me, Bitcoin has already won. I, I'm using Bitcoin all the time to to be paid and paid uh, and to save my wealth from inflation. So uh, I won. Uh, and the only thing that I need is Bitcoin not stopping, not to not stop winning. So uh, it's not it's not a problem, something else. But of course, I think that this is just the beginning, and a lot of other stuff can can arrive. I think that when uh, probably if I have to tell you a few uh, very very high level heuristic for a, a good maturity level, it will be basically four things. The first will be ossification of the base protocol. The, pro the part of the protocol that deals with the monetary schedule, inflation schedule and stuff like that, and with fundamental security and settlement, that part should stop evolving meaningfully, just like the internet protocol stopped evolving. And uh, of course, I hope that will not happen super soon because I want to see Taproot, I want to see Schnorr signature ag ag aggregation cross input. So I, I probably want a few years if, if possible, I would like to see a few years of innovation on the base layer, but then I think we will see uh, ossification. And when you have ossification, you are closing out a very huge attack surface, which is the social attack surface about changing the, the code, especially in the monetary part. And, uh, and the second level of, uh, uh, of, um, of victory, which is uh, connected, is when most people will not discuss about uh, uh, layer one transactions, but they will discuss about layer two transaction for everyday use, and people will consider natural to to move uh, satoshis over over layer two and not really to move uh, entire bitcoins over layer one. So it's a switch of mentality in which uh, layer one is for long-term security, cold storage, settlement, big payments, uh, slow payments, but where the fast movement every day is actually second layer. And that would be a second metric, I think, of success. And we are far from that yet because, I mean, lighting works, but there is a lot of stuff to do. I mean, uh, there is a few stuff left to do in the base protocol before it's, uh, it's I mean, the, the base protocol can ossify right now. It's fine. But I would like to see a few stuff before. While the, the, the second layer cannot ossify at all, it still has to change a lot because it's very, very early stage, even if it works very well. And uh, the third metric would be actually uh, the, the, the end of the relevance of, the, let's say, at least the, um, the mainstream relevance of uh, uh, all the, uh, the red herring. So basically blockchain buzzword and crypto buzzwords. As long as people keep talking about crypto and blockchain, it means that there is still more noise than signal. And so it would be a good signal when this noise is, it will never be zero, but it will go to some, some acceptable level of, uh, of uh, internet cranks and not really be anything my stream. So that would be, that would be another, another case. And I think that a, a final, a final uh, flag to understand that we arrived at a very uh, good development will actually be uh, the, the, some serious monetary consequences. So it's either some, uh, central bank adopting Bitcoin as a reserve to avoid hyperinflation or some central bank uh, 
creating hyperinflation in order to try to, uh, to compensate immigration of capital uh, in, in Bitcoin. So some serious uh, uh, geop geopolitical and, and monetary um, effect of uh, an easily, uh, easily uh, in, in an easy correlation with uh, Bitcoin getting up in, in value. Yeah, I think those are some of the some of the best, most probable scenarios you just mentioned. What is the thing you are most excited about going forward? Oh, uh, a lot of stuff, but uh, mostly I think that the, the, the coolest stuff are, uh, as I mentioned before, I really would like to see uh, cross-input signature application. That would be great because that will make coin join style and coin coin join style and pay join style transactions actually economically incentivized incentivized so that would be great for privacy and for fungibility and uh, it will it will take a while because it will come after taproot and i think that also like uh, l2 uh lightning network but more in general generalizations of lightning network where you don't just have the typical driapun uh hdlc channels but you also have different kind of channels like maybe you have uh, uh, christian decker's uh, kind of uh, uh, duplex channels uh, together with Riapun, together with uh, uh, with some kind of uh, low security uh, generalized channel for my, for micro micro transactions, and then you also have maybe L two channels with multi-party and state chains and whatever. So the idea would be to have a routing layer, which is not just routing through the typical Lightning channel that we have today but through a family of different kind of channels uh, of different kind of, uh, of second layers. So I think that would be... Okay. Well, and the final thing would be basically multi-sig security. I look forward to see uh, good multi-sig uh, cold storage security with uh, check, check sequence verified, come down to do inheritance and stuff like that. Okay. Okay, last question before we wrap it up. What are your, some of your favorite blog posts? Blog post. No, this is this is hard. Uh, this, this is very hard. There is a lot of good stuff. I think that uh, well, next, on the Nakamoto Institute website, you can find a lot of stuff, including everything that uh, Satoshi Nakamoto ever wrote. But that also includes a lot of uh, good article, old articles by the by Nick Sabo in the uh, unenumerated blog. You also have the, the blog itself. If you go, if you search for Nick Sabo unenumerated, you find a blog with a lot of very good stuff. But some older links about monet, about Bitcoin stuff, they, 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 I think they were broken. So I found most of those articles on Nakamoto uh, Institute. But anyway, Nick Sabo, Nick Sabo blog post they, they're about history of money, they are great. And, uh, and what else? Blog posts, there are some blog posts. I mean, the Waxwing, uh, Adam Gibson blogs about uh, privacy stuff, coin join, coin swap, uh, uh, join market. They're complex, but they are, I think they're great. My pleasure. And, and lastly, where people can find you? So, uh, mostly on Twitter, where I will annoy everybody with, uh, with uh, political statements and uh, politically incorrect uh, jokes. Uh, but also I will talk about Bitcoin a bit. I am actually planning to come out, I hope next week, but uh, like they say in two weeks at least, uh, with, a, with a website. So it will be giacomozucco.com, myname.com, G-I-A-C-O-M-O-Z-U-C-C-O.com. Uh, I still, 
I, I have it, but it's not out yet because I wanted to refine a few things, but uh, I, I, I counted to put everything I do there in order to have a central point of access. Also because eventually I will be probably cancelled and banned from Twitter. So I have to, to prepare a plan. Eventually that will happen to every Bitcoiner maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Thanks again for coming on and looking forward to meet you sometime. My pleasure. See you soon.